I want to say good morning. I want to welcome you here in Incredible whenever we have baptisms. What a, what a blessing that is. But what I want to do is that if you're a guest here this morning and you came out in the cold, wow, I'm really impressed. But I want to just say to you, thank you so much for coming. And if you happen to be someone who's looking for a home church, immediately following the service, if you would go out to our guest services desk, we've got some information for you. It'll help you in making a choice, but we would love to have you consider making Central Community Church your permanent church home. And all of those who are staying home and are warm, welcome. Good morning. We're glad to have you with us. So today, we are coming to the end of our I Am series, okay? Next week, I'm going to focus on, I'm going to talk a little bit about Israel and what's going on there, and then we're going to get into our Thanksgiving and not to put anybody in any stress or whatever, but Christmas is eight weeks from today. Yeah, oh, boy. But remember, Thanksgiving comes first. All right, now, so here we are now, and we're, we're going through this series, and we're coming now to the end, and it's called the I Am series. And the reason it's called the I Am series is obviously because Jesus had, makes these I Am statements, and they're all made in the book of John. Remember that these are the statements that Jesus uses to describe himself. And these statements come right from his own mouth. We don't have to wonder about what somebody else is saying. If, if it's true, we know that it's true because Jesus tells us, I am, and then he lists off the seven different I am's. I love the fact that each of these is a metaphor. And what Jesus does is he paints pictures for us. And the reason he does that is because he wants us to remember these seven I am's. So you remember the very first thing that Jesus said to describe himself was this, I am the bread of life. And what Jesus is telling us is just as you eat food and you need phys food physically to stay alive, I am the bread of life. In other words, I'm all that you need that will sustain you. If you have me, you have everything that you need, right? And then he went on and he said, I am the light of the world. And in this dark world, Jesus says, I am the light and I will shine a path for you to follow. But not only Jesus says, is he the light, but he says, you and I are lights, right? We reflect his light. And when people see the light of Jesus shining in us, guess what? They're attracted to it. And then Jesus reminds us, he said, I am the door. I thought that was an interesting one. And I walk through a door every day, several times during the day. But now every time I walk through the door, I'm reminded of what Jesus said. He said, I'm the door. I'm the gate. I'm the only one who can give you entrance into the kingdom of God. And then Pastor John taught us about Jesus when he said, I am the good shepherd. As the good shepherd, he doesn't drive his sheep, he leads his sheep. And the best part about it is he knows his sheep, his sheep know him, he knows us by name, and Jesus voluntarily lays his life down for the sheep. And then Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. In other words, Jesus was saying, hey, the resurrection is not an event, the resurrection is a person. And it's me, it's Jesus. And then Jesus reminded us, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Remember the word, the key word is the. I am the way, I am the specific way. People say that's narrow thinking, yes it is. But remember what the Bible says, the path to life is narrow and few find it. 
And now today, Jesus is about to tell us, I am the true vine. All right, so I brought something with me here this morning. And um, my dear wife is watching on TV. She's not feeling well, getting better. But if you come to our house, and all of my family is already recognizing, you're going to see one of these, okay? My wife loves these. They're everywhere, okay? We've got several of them at home. By the way, I did not take one of hers. I went and got my own, okay? Anybody know what you call this? This is called the big Q. Now, let me just tell you something. Why would you have a regular drink when you could have the big Q, right? I mean, we want more. And if I can have more with the big Q, why would I settle for something less? But you know what? The same is true as when you go to McDonald's. I love McDonald's. I don't care what anybody says. Now, one of the things about McDonald's that I love to do is I love to go into the drive-thru. And the reason I go through the drive-thru is because I know exactly what they're going to say. So I drive up, and the first thing says, good morning or good afternoon or good evening, whatever it is. Sometimes it's all three of those. Good evening. Are you going to use your app? And then this is what I tell them. I'm going to have the number one with a Diet Coke. And I know what's coming. And I can't wait. And then I hear those words. Would you care to supersize it? And I'm thinking, who would have thought of that? Of course I would love to supersize that. I mean, think about this. Why would I want one of these when I can have one of these, right? That's what I'm talking about. Now, here's what I want you to understand about this is that, you know what, if, if, you, go to, if you go to Wendy's and you're a Wendy's fan, you would ask for the biggie size, right? All right, now, there's a point to this, believe it or not. Here's what it is, okay? You know what, when we go to these places, McDonald's or whatever, and we want more of what it is that, that we love. And so here's what I want you to think about this morning because we're gonna talk about how to supersize your life. So let me ask you this question. What would Jesus say that you would need to ask him if you wanted a bigger size of Jesus? Oh, give me the big J? I'd like to supersize Jesus? Well, you know what the best thing would be to do is obviously is to ask Jesus, what would Jesus ask us? What would he tell us to say if we wanted more of him? And according to the scriptures, this is what Jesus would say, abide, abide, abide in me. Stand with me out of respect for God's word. As we read from John chapter 15, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. This is Jesus speaking. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. 
No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples." As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. Father, plain and simple, I want more of you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. I I love to use object lessons. In fact, I was going to have Pastor Jordan stand up in his Denver Broncos and really use him as an object lesson, but we'll save that for another time, okay? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Have you ever asked yourself the question, why is it that Jesus used the seven I am's? Why did, when he talked about the I am's, why did he use a metaphor? And the answer to that question is because we refer to Jesus as the master teacher. You see, Jesus understood what it takes to get a point across. In other words, Jesus knew that if he were just to tell the disciples about who he was, describing himself, that they would remember maybe 10 or 15% of what he said. But Jesus knows that when you give somebody an explanation, and then you bring along an object so that they can help to see the picture, and then you throw in some emotion, people don't forget those things. And that's why Jesus is such a great teacher. That's why he uses pictures, because he wanted his disciples and you and I to know about who he really is. Now, why would he want us to know about that? And the answer is this, he knew what the disciples were getting ready to go through in their lives. And just like Jesus knows what you and I are going through in our lives, Jesus isn't surprised by anything. He knows what we're going to go through and he knows that we're gonna need a strong faith so we can overcome the obstacles, right? You are an overcomer. You are an overachiever, not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus Christ does in and through you. 
And so Jesus knew that his disciples and you and I need to know how we can trust God. And in order to trust God more, Jesus knew that he needed his disciples and you and I to be able to understand him a little bit better. That's why Jesus uses pictures, because he wants his disciples to know who he is. Now, I want you to understand something is that Jesus used pictures even in the Old Testament. His father did. In fact, in the book of Isaiah, when the, book, when the Bible talks about the nation of Israel, it's talking about a vine. It compares the nation of Israel to a vine. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. The reason is, is because Israel was the only way that anybody who was a Gentile would have access to worship Yahweh, right? He was Jehovah God, and the only way they could do it is they had to do it through Israel. See, Jesus is telling the disciples now, listen, you have to be connected to me. And if you're connected to me, guess what? There isn't anything that we can't do together. And so to make sure that they remembered that, he gave them a picture. Now here's what I want you to think about, okay? Whenever the disciples would walk into the temple, and the Bible tells us, if you ever read about the disciples, or the apostle Paul, or Peter and John, they were on their way to the temple and it always says, as was their custom, okay? They did it a lot. Whenever they walked through the gate to go into the temple in Jerusalem, there was always a picture above the gate that the disciples and all people would look at. You know what the picture was? It was a picture of a vine. And on the vine, connected to the vine, were branches. And connected to the branches were leaves and grapes made of solid gold. It was this huge picture over the, the gate when they would walk into the temple. And so Jesus tells them that he is the vine so that every time they went to church, and it was often they would see that picture and they would be reminded that Jesus told them, I am the vine. Isn't that amazing how Jesus does that? And you know what? He does the same thing in your life. He gives you pictures of himself. You know how he gives them to him? Through your experiences with him. I guarantee you, John has a new picture of Jesus compared to maybe what some of the rest of us have. Why? Because he's walked that journey. And as he's walked that journey, I promise you this, the Lord Jesus has given him pictures to look at, to remind him that Jesus is who he says he is. Now, with that in mind, let's go now to the scriptures. The Bible says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Now the Lord changes the subject, and now we're talking about fruit. And what we learn in these first verses of the Bible is this. There's no fruit, there's fruit, 
there is much fruit, and then there's lasting fruit. And Jesus makes it crystal clear. If you are attached to the vine, you will bear fruit. If you're not attached to the vine, you won't bear fruit. Clear? Now the question is, is, so what does Jesus mean when he's talking about fruit? He's talking about that productive Christian life. He's talking about the life that touches other people's lives. He's talking about the life that brings glory to the Father. He's talking about the life that is well-lived that everybody else benefits from. You see, he's talking about the Christian who looks more like Jesus, not less. He's talking about the person that honors and gives glory to the God more and not less. He's talking about that individual that is touching more people's lives than not and not less. Jesus is explaining to us, if you want to live the supersized life, then this is how you do it. All right, now let's just take a moment and there's three characteristics of the fruit that you need to understand, okay? Here's the first one. Fruit always bears the character of the tree on which it grows. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, you're not gonna find an apple on an orange tree, right? Okay, so this last week I was in Florida. I was at a university board meeting down there that I serve on. And when I was going to the board meeting and I went to the university, I would go through the orange groves. I know there are orange groves. You know how I know that? Because there were oranges, right? And that's what happens. Here's the second thing that you need to understand about this. Fruit is always seen. Fruit is always seen. As I drove by, I was looking at the oranges. How do you know? Because I could see it. I could see all of the oranges that were attached to the trees. But there's one other thing that we need to understand about it. The fruit always exists for the benefit of others. Do you understand that? Fruit that eats itself, we call rotten. But the reason that we have fruit is so that other people can take a bite out of it, right? All right, so I want you to remember this, okay? So let me ask you, how do you know that you're living a supersized life? How do you know that you are living that productive light, that productive life? And the answer is very simply this. That's a good apple. You know how you know? Other people want to take a bite out of your life. So I want to ask you, as you're living your life, are there other people that are seeing your fruit? And are there other people, coworkers, spouses, classmates, teammates, that are wanting to take a bite out of your life because they see what is going on in your life? All right, I'm gonna swallow this real quick. 
somebody in, somebody in first service says, is he choking? <clears throat> All right, let's go on. Remain in me also as I also will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. All right, now in in these verses that I just read here, the word that you saw over and over again is the word remain. In a different version of the Bible, it's the word abide. The word abide means to connect. It means to remain. It means to stay. It means to hang around. And what I want you to remember is that when they wrote the Bible, they didn't have exclamation points. They didn't have, uh, they didn't underline things. You know what they did? They repeated them. Jesus repeats that word abide 10 times in the first 10 verses. I think Jesus is trying to get attention about something, don't you? That word abide is critical to living the supersized life. In other words, Jesus is telling us that if you want to bear not just fruit, but much fruit, that's what you were called to do. I want to remind you of that. You were not called to bear fruit. You were called to bear much fruit. And Jesus tells us, if you want to bear much fruit, you need to hang out with him more, because when you hang about with him more, then you'll start to look like him more. That's what he's saying. But it all begins with abiding. Excuse me one second. Ah, got it down. All right, so I want to just kind of come over here for a second. And I just want to just use this as an example here. So this is your life, okay? I put a little dirt in it so it looks like you, okay? (laughs) It's me too, all right? All right, now, here's what I want you to understand is that too many of us here dabble in Christianity. And we think, I'm good. And what I mean by that is that, you know, we want to live that supersized life. We want to live that life that other people want to take a bite out of it. But you know what? We go to church and we think, I'm good. Oh, yeah, I gave some money for the turkeys. I'm good. And then next week, we do the same thing over and over again. And what I want you to understand, that's not what Jesus is saying when he's talking about abiding. When Jesus says that you're supposed to abide, here's what it looks like. So this morning, I got up, and the very first thing I did is I had my quiet time. And from quiet time, I came to church. After church, I'm going to go out to eat And when I go out to eat, I know there's going to be a waitress there, and I'm going to say to her, you know what? We're going to pray for our meal here, and I was wondering if I could pray for you before we eat. And then I'm going to ask God to bless our food. Then I'm going to go home, and I'm going to have devotions with my grandchildren or with my children. And then when I go to bed, I'm going to ask the Lord 
did I do everything that you asked me to do today? And then the next day, I'm going to get up, and I'm going to start all over again. I'm going to start out the very first thing. I'm going to open the Word of God. And after I open the Word of God, I'm going to take out my calendar, and I'm going to say, Lord, this is my schedule for this week. It's busy, I know, but I'm just telling you right now, I'm going to surrender that calendar to you. And then as I go to my first meeting, I'm going to say, Lord, I'm not sure what this meeting is about, but I'm going to ask you to give me wisdom. Tell me to keep my mouth shut and open it when I'm supposed to. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you want to live the supersized life, if you want to live a life that makes a difference in other people's lives, it's a constant relationship. It's talking with Jesus throughout the day. It's praying popcorn prayers. It's when you mess up. Boy, Lord, I really blew that one. I need to ask your forgiveness for that one. That's the kind of life that Jesus is talking about when he talks about abiding in him. Now, the question that I hope that you're asking me is this, is that, okay, Pastor Bob, so what's the big deal? What's the benefit of living that kind of life? And you know what the answer to that is? That's the kind of life that gets its prayers answered. Look at what it says here in verse 7. If you remain in me, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now, here's what I want you to remember. You know why God can answer the prayers of an individual who abides in him? It's because God can trust him with the answers. You understand that? Because God can trust them with the answers. Well, what does that mean? It simply means this. It means that when the answers come, that the individual gives God the credit, gives God the glory, and doesn't try and take the glory to themselves. You see, the person who abides in Jesus Christ is more concerned about having the blessor than the blessing. One of the things that I've noticed as I've been doing more and more the premarital counseling is this, more and more people are meeting online. Did you know that? And I'm like, first I'm like, I'm sure glad I didn't have to go through this. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, okay? But I know that more and more people are online. So I asked a few people over this last week, can you just tell me a question, or ask, answer me a question, is it, so why would you want to meet somebody online? And you know what the answer was? Straight across the board, because I don't have time to do it any other way. I've got family, I've got kids, I've got a job, I've got all these things going on in my life, and you know what? I don't have time to meet her. So you know what I can do? I can go on the community and go, yep, nope, nope, absolutely not. Woo, that's a hottie. You know what I mean? <laughs> and they think that's how they can do it. All right, now, so let, let's say that, that you're online and, and, and you're looking. Okay, let's say that I'm online and I'm, I'm looking, and um, I'm not, but I'm just saying. And so I have a number, okay? And my number is 007, okay? <laughs> so it shows up 007, and I find somebody that I want to make contact with, and so I write them a note, hey, my name is, or no, I don't, I said, hey, this is 007. I just want you to know that, hey, I just happened to look at your contact information, and man, I just think I would really like to get to know you. How was your day? And then she writes back, and she says, well, it wasn't, real good, I slam my cat's tail in the door. And then I would write back and say, well, I'm sorry to hear that. You must love cats. 
And she said, no, I hate cats. <laughs> but then what happens is, is then all of a sudden, a conversation starts. And the conversation goes on, and words and words and more words are exchanged, and then emotions are stirred. Finally, somebody says, hey, would it be okay maybe if we met for a cup of coffee or something like that? Now, let me just ask you this question. Why in the world would anybody want to meet with somebody whom they don't know except all they've communicated with is by words on a computer? And the answer is simply this. Because there's a real person behind those words, right? Now, I want you to think about this. I shared with you this before, but I have in my hand the Word of God, okay? We call it the Bible. Another way to say it is it's the Greek word, it's the graphe. In other words, it's the written Word of God. That's what this is, it's the written Word of God. When you open the Word of God, okay, the Bible tells us, John tells us that it's the logos, Okay, Jesus said in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? Okay, that's the Logos. So we have the, we have the graphe, we have the Bible, the written Word, and then we have the Logos, we have Jesus, which is, that's the meaning, the content in the Word, right? Now there's one last word that sometimes we forget about, and it's called the rhema. And the rhema simply is, is what happens when you read the graphe, you read the Word, okay, you understand the logos, the logos, because there's, there's an understanding. And then the rhema then is just when, when it jumps off the pages and it comes into your heart. And so here's what I mean. I read the word of God. The word of God gets into my heart and it changes the way I live my life. How do you explain that? How do you explain that that happens? And you know how you explain it? There's a living person behind the words, and his name is Jesus. I'm not talking about here this morning about whether you're saved or not. What I'm talking about is living the supersized life, living the productive Christian life that bears much fruit and it benefits a lot of other people. That's the life that I'm talking about. That's the life I want to live. And I hope that's the life that you want to live. And Jesus says you can live this supersized life if you will abide. You will stay connected. You will be in his word and allow his word to be in you. And then you watch how God is going to use you to change other people's life. So last night, when I was driving home, I stopped at Quick Trip so I could get my cups for today. I didn't steal my wife's. I went and got my own. And so when I went and got these, I walked up to the counter and the lady who was there, and I put them on, on, I put these on the counter, and she said, aren't you missing something? I said, no, I, I I just need the cups. And then I thought, what a great opportunity. So I said, um, so let me tell you why I'm, I'm buying these cups, okay? They were 62 cents. I said, I, I'm buying these because um, I'm a preacher, I'm a pastor, and, and I'm going to use these tomorrow as an object lesson, okay? All right, now, 
I have to confess to you, because I did do the first service too, part of the reason why I said that was I was hoping she'd give them to me for nothing. Okay? She didn't. Anyway, there, I got that off my chest. Now I feel better, okay? All right, but when I got these, and then she asked me, she said, so what church do you pastor? And I said, well, I pastor Central Community Church. It's the one over there by the ditch. I said, do you know where it is? I said, you know, it's, and I started explaining how it's in the root of the air. She goes, oh, no, no, I, I know where it is. And she goes, it's the one on Maple. And I said, yeah, and she goes, yeah, I live right across the street. She said to me, so are you going to have that trunk or treat this year again? And I said, no. I said, we're not going to do it. And I said, and the reason why is because it's really not ministry. All we were doing was just giving a bunch of sugar to a bunch of kids, and we were making a lot of parents mad. And she said, agreed. <laughs> and then I said, but we do have something pretty special coming up, and it's when we hand out turkeys to all of the witch duck community. And she said, I know what you guys do. She said, in fact, my neighbors and my I, we talk about it. In the beginning, it was kind of a something that we made fun of you guys. And then she said, until one of the neighbors needed a Thanksgiving meal and your church was there. When I left, she just said, just keep doing what you're doing. My friends, that's an example of how fruit benefits other people. On the 18th of November, as we do each and every year, we are going to pass out 2,500 meals. And I want you to know, um, we already are gonna get the turkeys this year, so we're thankful for that. Okay? So what we're going to do is, is this is one of the things that Wichita knows Central Community by. If you've never been a part of it, if you've never helped out, you need to be a part of this. Because this is where you get to see how God can and will use you in the lives of those who may not have what you have. On these bags is a list of all of the food items that you can purchase, and I think they told me that it probably cost you about $15. Everything is right there. Don't add anything to it. Don't take anything away. Just fill it up, the bag up with this, and then bring it to the church, and then we'll make sure that the turkeys get packed in with it, okay? All right, so... I'm going to tell you this. There's a couple things you can do. You can come up and you can grab one, you can grab five, you can grab ten if you want. Um, but I also want you to know is that maybe you would just rather donate the money to it. Maybe you just like to, hey, I'll pay for 20 bags or whatever of, of, of meals, okay? That's fine too. You can, you can do it online too. But here's what I want to tell you. You want to know how good our God is? Somebody in the first service came up to me and they gave me a check for $25,000 to pay for all of the turkeys.
That's God. That's what God looks like, working through his people. And so here's my challenge to you. I'm gonna ask the pastors and the directors, they're gonna come forward and they're going to, uh, they're gonna have the bags. And I'm gonna ask you just to pray about what it is that God wants you to do. And then I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna invite you to come forward and pick up a bag and then you can, you can leave. If you still wanna donate money, you can still donate money. The money is still gonna go all towards the bags for the food. But if you wanna come and get a bag, that's another way to do it. And then you can bring it back to the church with you next week. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you for opportunities. Thank you for this church. For all these years, people have come forward and they've given up their finances knowing that it's gonna benefit somebody else. Father, you've told us that if we remain in you and your word remains in us, we can ask whatever we wish and you will give it to us. I'm asking, Father, today that you would put it on the hearts of your people, that we would remember those words, those pictures that you gave us through your son Jesus and the seven I am's. But I also pray, Lord, that we would remember that you have told us through your son that when we do these kinds of things for the least of these, it's like doing it directly for you. Thank you for this church that believes and is a generous church. And I ask, Lord God, that you would bless them as they are a blessing to others. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.